Again, they go on the floor. Then I notice every night I step on them and they're getting dirtier and harder to read every day. All right. uh, First, uh, a little bit of news. Tonight we have a show on Bigfoot. And, uh, oh, what a show we've got. You will actually hear from Bigfoot. And you will hear perhaps what that language means. It's, it's going to be quite a show. Anyway, first, a little bit of news. Usually not good. Tonight is no exception. Russia continues to absolutely help us to death in Syria. They uh, are now firing cruise missiles. You know, it looks like the typical, in fact, they showed it on CNN, looked just like a U.S. ship firing cruise missiles. Might have been, actually. I don't know. Anyway, they are flying them, 1,500 kilometers. It's uh, quite remarkable over Iran and Iraq, and then boom. Problem is that the boom, for the most part, is on the CIA-supported rebels that are trying to overturn the government in Syria. So the Russians continue to help us to death, and there is a problem with the fact that their jets are over Syria because so are ours. So ours have ROEs, rules of engagement, that dictate when we get within 20 nautical miles of a Russian jet, we have to turn around and skedat. So I don't know what kind of rule that is. Crazy. I guess to prevent World War Three. Now, if we shoot down a Russian jet and then they shoot down one of ours and there ends up being a dogfight over Syria, well, that could lead to something very unpleasant, I'm sure. Jerry Brown in California um, is getting very serious now about climate change in California. And he is going to increase increase the California goals for climate change, committing the state to use re, re, uh, just renewable energy for half its electrical goals. Wow. California uses a lot of electricity. So to cover half of it with renewable is going to be quite a job, and he wants to do it by 2030. Remarkable. Well, no, he wants 15, yeah, 15 years. He says they will do it, and they will switch half the electrical, electrical uh, needs in California to uh, renewable. Wow. Good luck, Jerry. Over the pulsating beat at an exclusive nightclub, the arms smuggler made his pitch to a client. Two and one-half million euros for enough radioactive cesium to contaminate several city blocks. It was earlier this year, and we're just being told about it now, of course. And the men were plotting their deal at an unlikely spot, the terrace of Cocos uh, Drive, a dance club and sushi bar in Chisinau, the capital of Moldova. The words where you can make a dirty bomb, which would be perfect for this uh, Islamic state, said the smuggler. If you have a connection with ISIS, the business will go smoothly. But the smuggler wasn't sure the client was for real, and he was uh, right to be concerned because 
turned out to be an FBI guy. And, you know, so that's that. Anyway, um, that's also the news. uh, And not, well, wait, there's a little more. It's been 50 years since we humans first realized that whales use sound to communicate, right? They also use sonar to hunt, navigate, to see effectively. That's how they see in the world. So what if we call whale songs are actually sonic holograms, wonders Chris Savia, who advises those attempting whale interspecies communication to think like a whale. Now, how do you think like a whale? Or, how do you think like a Bigfoot? All right, in just a moment, we are going to bring forth a couple of experts on Bigfoot. How would that be? Uh, One of them, uh, I guess, is mm, a Bigfoot researcher. Would that be a good way to put it? I think it would. And the other is an interpreter of Bigfoot sounds, or put another way, Bigfoot language. And uh, before the night is over, I, I suspect you're going to actually hear Bigfoot. So if that tantalizes you, then I suggest you stay right where you are. All right, so here we go. It is a Bigfoot kind of night. First comes uh, behind door number one, Ron Moorhead. Now, Ron is an author, adventurer, and renowned researcher. He has traveled the world doing research of the unexplained, undiscovered, underexplored for 40 years. His research includes the scientific study of Bigfoot uh, evidence, the possibility of connections between Bigfoot and the skeletons found in Peru and Bolivia, the Lovelock Cave, and the uh, Minaret Skull as well. He is recognized around the globe for the best Sasquatch audio recordings known as the Sierra Sounds. Behind door number two, well, let's make sure we we have uh, uh, Ron. Ron? You got me. Yeah, I got you. All right. You know, actually, I, I can see your picture because you're uh, you're on uh, Skype, and uh, you kind of actually look a little like Bigfoot. Mm, Should have shaved. Little few. <laughs> All right. Uh, behind door number two, uh, we have retired from the U.S. Navy as a crypto linguist with over thirty-five years' experience in foreign languages and linguistics, including the collection, transcription, analysis, and reporting of. Uh, voice communications. He is a two-time graduate of the U.S. Navy Cryptologic Voice Transcription School. Wow. Both Russian and Spanish, and has logged thousands of hours of voice transcription in his target languages as well as in Persian. He is currently teaching Russian, Spanish, Persian, Philosophy and Comparative Religions at Wentworth College in Missouri. Busy guy, and he's on the phone, uh, I think. Uh, hello, Scott. Yes. Okay, good. And hello, now, uh, before we get started, behind door number three, calling from an isolated phone booth uh, somewhere in Northern California, 
Uh, we have Mr. Foote. Now, he prefers to be called a fur-bearing American, American native, actually. He attended Forest University, has learned to avoid large gatherings, actually any gatherings at all, and he spends most of his time seeking edible vegetation. His hobbies include leaving puzzling scat dumps and occasional footprints in the dirt. He is here tonight to deny his very existence and therefore will actually have absolutely nothing to say. He will, however, be monitoring every word for authenticity. And there you have it, Mr. Foote. Um, all right, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh. Sorry, couldn't resist. Um, so I'm not sure where to start. I have two, you know, bios and sets of questions here that look a lot alike. So we'll we'll do it that way. Uh, let us begin with uh, Ron. And the question is, Ron. What is it, 40 years in this now? Since 1971, so I guess it would be more like uh, 44 years. Why? Well, it gets under your skin. I, I, I with some other hunters, encountered these creatures in a remote area of the Sierras, and uh, they started interacting with us, and we were fortunate enough to uh, record their vocalizations, and uh, thus the Sierra sounds, which uh, most a lot of people have heard. Uh, they've been studied and uh, anyway, it got me involved in it, and I, ever since then I've been looking, trying to figure out what it was all about and what giants are all about, because these things are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, um, let me ask this. Uh, were you actually looking for Bigfoot? No, I wasn't. No, not at all. Uh, one of the hunters, original hunters up there, uh, there's six of us involved that had this thing going on, and um, one of them got scared off the mountain. He wouldn't go back, and... Uh, that's how I got involved, actually, because the wives were worried because the men hadn't came back, and they heard the story of what was going on up there, and they they wanted him to go back and see if the guys were okay because we didn't know what we were dealing with. They didn't know what they were dealing with. So he invited me to go with him. I was a friend of the family's anyway, so I got up there, and that kind of got me part of the group. That was uh, 71, and uh, so that's uh, when I seen my first huge track. And uh, that's when I got involved. Okay, you've seen a huge track. Have you uh, have you actually seen a Bigfoot ever? I did. Yes, I did. Me and another gentleman one night. They're very stealthy creatures, so it's very unusual. But they did interact with us uh, three years after 71, 1974. And I got to see them, uh, at least one of them, uh, jumping between, between trees, going so fast and... At that time, they were making their sounds, too, so that's one of the first times you got to see what was making the sounds we had been recording. All right, and and that's the final question I've got for you before I move on to Scott for a second. And uh, how did you record? I've got, what, seven sounds I'm going to be playing, I think, tonight, and I'm wondering how you got them. Well, we recorded them with cassette recorders. That's all we had in the 70s, and... uh, I had uh, some really good uh, quality, uh, a really good quality uh, portable cassette. Uh, unfortunately, all my tapes burned up in a house fire in 76. But, but Al Berry, an investigative reporter that we uh, allowed to come in in 1972, uh, recorded them also. And uh, he fostered some studies, uh, which uh, we can get into later. But uh, we all used cassettes in those days. And, uh, that's, May I ask one more? How do you get close enough to a Bigfoot to record the sounds. And, you know, I've heard some of them, and they're very clear. 
Um, I suppose you have to amplify them and so forth, but I, I would think you'd need to be here uh, pretty close to get something this good. Well, it's not something we go out and try to do. It's something they come in and just allowed it. Uh, we had the mic, or Alberry uh, had his mic remoted uh, up uh, up the behind our shelter about 40 feet. And, uh-huh. uh, they came in just close to it, and gotcha. that's how he got those real clear recordings. Okay, that makes all sense in the world. And um, for many years, you suffered in having these sounds, but not having a clue what they meant, right? Correct. Didn't know what they meant. We, we thought between ourselves that they were communicating with each other and later on communicating trying to communicate with us. Okay. But uh, again, uh, we're not qualified as a, a linguist or anybody. A lot of people say they know what they're saying, but that doesn't mean a thing to me unless you can, unless you're qualified. If you don't have the credentials behind your name, it doesn't mean anything. So right. Al Berry taught me that. He was uh, he had a couple uh, master's degree in science and and also in English. And he uh, he was a writer and uh, he's deceased now. But he was the investigative reporter that we took in and. Um, he said, you got to have the credibility behind it. So he, he fostered studies and uh, fostered the main study at the University of Wyoming, which lasted one year, by Professor Curlin. And uh, that uh, was a huge step for us because he, he established that the tapes were uh, credible, that they were made at the time of recording. They weren't pre-made with a 60-cycle hum in a studio and transported up there. Uh, they they were genuine. He showed that they weren't speeded up or slowed down, and uh, all those things were important. Oh yes, he, yeah. He gave that to uh, to a, a symposium up in British Columbia in 1978, and uh, his report was written up into a book that they ended up publishing. So that was good, and it wasn't until uh, well, our next guest, my good friend Scott Nelson, came along in, in 2008, and. Uh, we tried, Alberry and I tried for years to get uh, some university that had the credibility to take these on again and tell us more. Because what Curlin did was just establish the, the quality was of the tapes and the, the authenticity of the tapes were genuine. All right. Yeah. All right. So now, Scott. Um, Scott yes. is um, a cryptolinguist. That's the first time I've ever heard that expression. What in the world is a cryptolinguist? <laughs> Well, I had a career in the Navy as uh, what is officially called um, cryptologic technician interpreter. Okay. And I was trained in, um, well, in the analysis and and reporting and voice transcription in two languages and had to uh, learn my third language, you know, on the job, Persian. Wow. um, That's what we do for a living is listen uh, to the human voice on tape. Okay, so um, I'm not sure how the two of you actually came together, um, but I will ask this. When you first heard these sounds that Ron had come up with, um, did you immediately hear coherence in them, or did you go, oh, come on, or let me listen more closely, or what was your reaction? Well, um, when I first uh, stumbled upon them with my son, and uh, we were just kind of Googling uh, information for a report he had to do. And I stumbled upon these sounds um, on a website. And I, upon the first run through, 
I heard something that I had to hear again, so I went back over it, and I went back over it, and I went back over it, and my son finally said, Dad, snap out of it. You know, what are you doing? I said, Stephen, th- this is not a human being uh, on these tapes, yet they are speaking a language. And my son said, what are you talking about, Dad? It, it sounds like, uh, like coyotes or, or apes fighting. Right. I said, I know it does, son, but there's language here. We, what you have to do in order to hear it is slow it down like Dad used to do in the Navy. So through a little, I said, we've got to get a hold of these tapes. So through a little bit of uh, detective work, I got a hold of Ron, and within s- several days, Ron had, had uh, all three of the tapes to me. And you listened to them for how long before you, you know, began to realize that you were actually hearing a language? Oh, I could tell right away. Really? I could tell right away. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think it was probably because of, of uh, how many hundreds uh, into the thousands of hours I spent listening to the human voice on tape, speeding the, speeding it, the tapes up, slowing them down. Sure. Just hearing, you know. That uh, that's why I immediately recognized, even even with the, the, the um, rapid delivery that these uh, vocalizations are given at, um, I could tell that if you slowed them down, you would hear articulated phonemes exactly like humans do. All right. Um, I, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but the next question for you is, uh, if you recognize it as a language... Can you then give meaning uh, to what we're going to hear? Um, no, not not uh, not yet. N- not in a translation. It's a, that w- we're way way ahead of ourselves. To, to I would imagine. Okay, G- given yes. uh, given's got more examples, or even many 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 examples of sounds. Yes. Could you? Would that give you the key you need, or the the mass you need to decipher? We would hope. Yes, we, we would hope that eventually we we would be able to decipher. Uh, but our, our greatest hope would be to actually eventually sit down and have a conversation, because that's really the only way to to truly verify the meaning of what we would call words, sentences, etc. Is to sit down with the speaker and to to verify the meanings of of each and every morpheme. So right. yeah, we're way we're way ahead of ourselves there. I would assume you, you, yes, you, you would have to. You would ha- you you would need to, for example, observe a Bigfoot. Even if he, you didn't have a conversation with him, you would observe him doing something, and there would be a sound attached to that something, and you would slowly begin to put meanings together, or what? Right. Yes, that that would work. Okay, that would work. Well, um, extended observation of a Bigfoot, Ron, I take it, is not likely anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Extended observation? Yes. Well, Scott and I have been up there. We're trying to get more, uh, we were trying to get more uh, cooperative sounds for him. But they're very elusive and they're very, uh, I guess, uh, sensitive to the human exploitation of them. And it just hasn't worked out yet that we're able to record them again. Sometimes you'll hear them, but you're not walking around with your recorder on all the time. And it's just uh, it's a, it's a battle. To, or I shouldn't say a battle. It's just a ongoing quest, I guess, to get that. But that hasn't been what I've been trying to do so much. That's what Scott, I think, has been wanting to do. Uh, we've spent quite a bit of time up there uh, in 2009 on to 2011, I guess it was. 
but uh, it's never able to capture the sounds that, uh, like we did in the 70s. I've heard them, uh, as I, he may have also, but, but again, you're not running around with your tape recorder on all the time. And just, uh, I don't know, these things are, there's, a, there's an enigma associated with these, which, which we can get into, but uh, I think they, they're a lot more uh, intelligent than what we gave them credit for in the 70s. Uh, uh, we underestimated what we were dealing with at the time, and uh, it's just, uh, it's been an ongoing uh, adventure for me, is trying to find out just what they're all about. Uh, trying to connect the dots, so to speak, and what they might be. All right. Well, a lot of people in the audience, not a lot. I, I would say you've got a more friendly audience that you, than you would have nearly anywhere else. But even some in this audience would say, oh, come on, Bigfoot, um, how do we prove there really is such an animal? Uh, such a mammal? I guess he would be a mammal, certainly. So um, best evidence. Either one of you. The best evidence is, is the sounds we have. Uh, first of all, we don't, I don't try to prove that to anybody because uh, the facts are going to present and prove themselves. Uh, the Patterson film of 1967 is uh, pretty much accepted now. A lot of people have tried to debunk it and all, but, but I know Bob Gimlin quite well who was there. And right. uh, I just believe he was a, he's a trustworthy person in my eyes. And uh, our sounds... Because uh, the Patterson field shows, shows the animal walking across a place in Bluff Creek. But our sounds uh, kind of give you more of an insight into the nature of these creatures. And as you can see, or as you will see when we play the sounds, that they go from a very antagonistic sound, which I right. think they were trying to scare us out, into a more of a communicative type attitude. Uh, oh, actually, that was the next thing I was going to ask Scott, uh, and that is, if you cannot translate for us what we're going to hear, and obviously you cannot, um, can you, I mean, no matter what language you're speaking, there are certain things that come through, uh, certain emotions that, that come through. Um, of course. Right? And that you, uh, can, absolutely. you can speak to, I take it. Oh, absolutely. You can hear all of the, uh, virtually all of the emotions. With both the Barry tape and the Moorhead tape together, I mean, you can hear the whole spectrum of emotions from uh, from one point where it even sounds like uh, one of them is, is is making a joke and laughing at his own joke. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And then you've got you've got aggression. You've got anger. You've got uh, oh, concern. You've got you've got uh, uh Inquiry inflection. You've got res response infle uh, re inflection. You name it. You've got all of the character. Virtually all of the characteristics of human language are evident in the Barry Moorhead tapes. Okay. Um, let me try this question. Uh, we'll get to sounds after the break at the bottom of the hour. But uh, I had a lady on recently who um, has been living with she claims Bigfoot for quite some time in her area. You know, he's, I guess he picked, uh, this is down in East Texas, actually. And uh, she swore that she once saw a Bigfoot wearing a human shirt, trying to wear a human shirt. Is there any chance that that could be true, that a Bigfoot would choose to try that after observing humans? Well, that's a good cry. I don't think any of ours wore clothes up there, but uh, it's possible. I've heard those stories before that uh, you know the smaller ones might try to 
emulate some clothes on. I've had that question asked to me before. It's just, uh, it seems very unusual, or maybe they're just toy. They toy with humans. I, I think they think that we think we're smarter than them. And we do, but we're not. Uh, <laughs> in my opinion, these things are are out there, and there's there's a, a higher connection than most people want to give credit for them. Well, pretty much, we're looking for them uh, pretty hard, e- even with infrared, down looking infrared, whatever heat signature stuff, and we don't find the Bigfoot. So um, maybe they are smarter than us because they successfully stay away from us, right? That's right. All right. You two hold tight. Uh, We'll come back to you uh, after the break. Pretty good one. You can go get coffee or... Dark Matter Network News. I'm Amy Martin. Authorities in Moldova have arrested smugglers attempting to sell cesium-135 to terrorists in the Middle East. According to the Associated Press, the next exchange had been meant to supply Islamic State extremists with enough radioactive materials to construct a dirty bomb. AP has uncovered numerous instances in recent years in the former Soviet state where members of criminal networks in Moldova were caught attempting to exchange the radioactive materials. In an undercover tape, Moldovan authorities reveal a smuggler who states, They could make one of those dirty ones, you know. Make a dirty bomb if you've heard of such things. The level of radiation is high, and these explosions spread material over a territory. It's bad for the health. That's the method. Moldovan authorities still note that the threat of a device is still very real, stating, Until we know where the substances seized in Europe came from and where they were going to, only then will we be able to say for sure that the danger is no longer present. A recently discovered human ancestor may have used primitive tools and walked much like a human. Homo naledi, discovered in a South African cave, also participated in complex burial practices. According to anthropologist Jeremy De Silva, our science has known for decades that upright walking, bipedalism, preceded brain enlargement over the course of human evolution. But never before has it been so obvious. Homo naledi possessed a strikingly modern human-like foot, even though its brain was only about one-third of the size of our brains today. The estimated age of these fossils has not yet been determined. Wildlife may have made a big comeback at the Chernobyl exclusion site in the Ukraine. Elk, deer, and wild boar within the Belarusian part of the exclusion zone have been found to be biologically similar to wildlife in four other uncontaminated nature reserves in nearby regions. Wolf numbers are now seven times higher in the zone than in other comparable areas. The wildlife are thought to be thriving from the absence of agriculture, forestry, and hunting. The area is still deemed unsafe for human habitation. A report by the National Science Foundation has found that scientists in Antarctica really like to party. The audit warned of unpredictable behavior from scientists consuming massive amounts of alcohol. According to the report, intoxication led to fights, indecent exposure, and employees arriving to work under the influence. 75% of disciplinary incidents reported were related to misuse of substances. While McMurdo Base has three bars and alcohol may be purchased at the Amundsen Scott South Pole Station, it is illegal to partake in spirits during working hours. The new report may lead to mandatory breathalyzer tests for employees in the near future. This has been Amy Martin with Dark Matter Network News. You know, it's interesting. Um, my daughter, my daughter Asia, is now eight years old. 
And so this last Christmas, I got her an Xbox for Christmas. You know, when she was younger, I used to tell her, "Hun, I got to go to work and buy diapers for you. She, of course, at that age, didn't understand what I was saying. But tonight, just for fun, I went to get my kiss, and I, I said, "Hun, I've got to go to work because that's the only way we can buy games. She said, go, go, go to work. Not sure how I felt about that, but uh, anyway, my guests are Ron Moorhead and Scott Nelson. Uh, here's Ron. You're back, right? I am. Okay, good. And uh, if um, Scott hasn't passed out yet, he's here. <laughs> you, yes, I am. Okay, Scott, unfortunately, is in a room full of big servers making noise in the background. So we actually made him take his sock off and put it over the phone. And so if you hear him shifting around, like backing away from the phone a lot, well, you can judge for yourself what that might mean. All right, you guys. <laughs> So we actually have Bigfoot sounds, uh, all kidding aside. Uh, you don't often get a crypto-linguist on, on the air along with a Bigfoot researcher with sounds to actually talk about them. That's pretty cool. Uh, I would obviously like to play one. I guess we would call this number one. And uh, if that's okay with you, that's exactly exactly what I'm going to do. And I, I may play it uh, actually uh, twice, uh, just so we, or even more than that, you never know. Uh, let's play it once, and then we will talk about it. So, here it comes. I think. Ready? Good Lord. Um, I had no idea what was coming. Holy mackerel, uh, guys. I don't know what to say about that. My God. Um, I, um, all right. So I don't know anything about it. I've got the experts. Um, Ron, if you would, please, that particular recording. Like, oh, good heavens. Where did that come from? Our Sierra camp, eight miles in the wilderness of the Sierra Nevada mountains. Uh, yeah, we were recording these creatures. It was pretty uh, intimidating to start with there. And as you might have guessed, when these things are pretty close to us, too, right outside our shelter uh, quite often. And uh, anyway... Uh, if I, I heard that, that, that was, I mean, that was clear. And it was, you know, plenty ambiguous, I guess, but very, very clear. And it sounded like it was very, very close. And if I was there recording that, it would scare the hell out of me. Well, that's how I got involved. One of the guys wouldn't go back up there. Don't and, blame him. Uh, 
he wouldn't go back by himself, I should say. And he hadn't been back since that I know of. Don't blame uh, him. Pretty frightening. Very religious man. He didn't know where to put this with his, uh, with his religious structure because uh, it just didn't fit in his paradigm. But uh, I don't have much of a religious structure, and I don't know where to put it, and I'd be running. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I am... God. Uh, first of all, what were we, were, we, were we hearing? Is it one Bigfoot, or is it two of them, or what? Well, we believe it was two, but let Scott jump in on this one. Okay, Scott. Uh, that, that was a lot to decipher. Oh, yeah. And like I said before, we're far from actually deciphering it or, or translating it. But uh, what we can do with that is, is point out the characteristics of language that are evident in those utterances. And what you have there is a obviously a male. And when you slow it down, you can really hear it. You don't have to be a a Ph.D. in uh, linguistics specialist to hear the language. All right. Are, are, con- that is not slowed down. I'm sorry to interrupt. That no. is regular speed, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, but when you slow it down, especially, I mean, you, it, if you listen to it long enough, even the layman can hear that you have a female and a male uh, having discourse, uh, conversational turns where they take turns in, in speaking to each other. I agree. Um yeah, so um, you listen to it enough, uh, you can hear it even at real time. You don't have to slow it down. But slowing it down makes it very evident to uh, anybody that, that's ever sat through our presentation and listened to it uh, walks away uh, knowing that they're, they're listening to a language. I've got to agree. I, it sounded like a language to me. By the way, years ago, we had a, a human sound expert uh, listen to it, a very qualified person, and she said the female won that argument. Just hey. to throw that out. <laughs> so, so, in other words, the worlds are similar in some ways. Yes, they yeah. are. <laughs> uh, we're going to listen to this again. And, um, Scott, as we do listen again, mm-hmm. what should we be listening for to try and make well, a little uh, sense out of this? I mean, not that we'll understand it, but, I mean... Is it a fight? Uh, well, you know, it sounds like that to us. Uh, it sounds like that they're at least in a uh, higher state of agitation. But then again, you know, uh, the more you listen to it, the more it begins to sound like a, a, a married couple. <laughs> uh, you know, during just, just in a, yes, a regular uh, conversation. <laughs> for a married couple, yes. Um, you can hear a human say something in the background. Um, what is that? Mm-hmm. That was Warren Johnson, who was uh, basically the oracle up there for us until he passed away. And or unless he wasn't there and I was, then I would uh, I'd be the one that would call out to them or, or try to entice them. We we at first we were um, we were intimidated by it because of the sounds are yes. pretty intimidating. But after a while, you realize they weren't going to break through the shelter at us, and uh, they knew we wasn't going to shoot at them. And we all had guns. We're hunters, a hunting camp. Uh-huh. And uh, so that was uh, Warren Johnson, and uh, he was just yelling out at him. Uh, Ron? He said, that's not very nice. You said you had a gun, right? Yes, we have guns. If you were able to take a bead on a Bigfoot and choose to either pull the trigger or not, what would you do? I wouldn't. You wouldn't? No. No, there are more to them than that, and I think if you had that aura about you, I don't think we'd had the encounters we were having. Uh, they're they're very stealthy, very elusive, uh, very fast. I can't begin to tell you how fast they are, the way they move. Uh, and uh, no, I wouldn't shoot at them. I, I think there's they're more like a people than they are a 
than they are an animal out in the woods. Well, it's like an ultimate, you know, it's like an ultimate question that gets a lot of debate about whether the just one at least should be shot so we identify a species. You know, uh, yeah, our, we just had that debate this last weekend. Uh, Scott and I did in a conference we had in Oklahoma, and uh, uh, pro kill people were there to do some filming, and. Uh, they got booed off, <laughs> uh, for the most part. It, it's a series uh, called Killing Bigfoot. And um, really, they said, well, how, you just about have to kill one, bring it in for science to accept them. And I said, no, you don't. There's so much anecdotal e- evidence now. Uh, that, and you've got DNA. You can, there's all kinds of things that you can pull out of the wind now or pull out. <laughs> all right, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to play this, this number one again. And Scott... We should be listening to this kind of like you'd listen to a husband and a wife. Uh, sure. Possibly in a, in sure. a minor dispute. <laughs> I guess I'll put it that sure. way. Okay, here we go. I get it. Uh, it. It does sound like she won, and he wasn't real happy about it. He was sort of walking away grumbling. <laughs> we kind of think, Art, that they were uh, they were maybe having a confrontation over some food we left out. Oh, uh, that could be it. Uh, originally, we they, we thought the sounds were uh, towards us. The aggression was towards us. And they could have been towards us, but we were leaving food out, our leftovers. That's what originally got them started coming in. It's a family of them up there in the uh, Sierras. What our did camp, you leave uh, for them? Uh, well, uh, originally, we were leaving Spam. We'd fry Spam and leave it out. But whatever food we took in, they would take. And uh, anywhere from... If we took canned stew up there on our mules or something, we would use that. Uh, whatever we had out is what they would generally take. Until one time we left some uh, rot- rotten meat out, basically. We, at that time, we thought they'd eat about anything like a bear would. But right. uh, we had just dug a hole earlier that summer and had some fresh mount- amount of dirt and uh, left that bad meat out. And they took it and buried it under that dirt. And they'd have a, I have a picture of this, a big handprint over the mound, and underneath that handprint was the, was the meat that we left out. I see. So, uh, I didn't think too much of that. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, Scott, if you had the opportunity mm-hmm. to go along with Ron up into the deep woods yes. where you're liable to encounter these creatures, uh, would you go or would you wait for the tape? 
Now we've uh, I've gone actually uh, me and my son Stephen have gone up uh, several times with Ron. Really. Uh, and several times uh, Ron and I have gone up by ourselves. We've had uh, quite a few uh, interesting adventures, you could say. Uh, any of them involving Bigfoot? Uh, yes, a few. We had some. Uh, we've we've had things thrown at us. We've had uh, strange sounds around the camp. Um, Ron heard a morphine stream in the middle of the night, which uh, we were unable to uh, record. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of activity up there. I have a Absolutely. very very famous of uh, Bigfoot scream that Linda Moulton Howe recorded. I'm sure you guys have heard it, right? Hmm. Is that a yes? I, I know I'm her. Sure I don't know if I've heard the scream. I've heard a lot of screams. I'll dig it out. Um, it's a it's a blood curdling scream. There's no question about that. Are Bigfoot capable of big blood curdling screams? I believe so. Yes. Oh, I'm quite certain they're uh, just from just from the evidence that we have. We have to assume that their lungs are just massive. The, the resonance of their utterances are just uh, is just off the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a like a measurement of uh, the biggest? Well, I, don't, I don't want to say the biggest Bigfoot, but the average height of a Bigfoot. Is there any way to make a guess at that? Uh, there really isn't. Depends if they're a young one or not, or just I've <laughs> I reason to believe there's some that are twelve foot tall. Wow. Uh, we had a prints up there, nine-inch prints, along with 18-inch prints. I think that was the, uh, an adolescent and its mother. And uh, this this huge one that uh, we never found it right in camp, because I think this thing is just so big, it, it just can't stand behind one of those trees. But it had a 25-and-a-half-inch track, the biggest one. I didn't mm. talk about this one for a long time, because the distance between the tracks were 13 feet. And that's just, you got to do the math on that. Uh, it just, we followed it till we couldn't follow it anymore, uh, off, the, off into oblivion there. But it was just uh, uh, quite remarkable how something so big can still remain so hidden. Yes, it is. Uh, some would say impossible, but maybe not impossible. Ron, you're you're actually up in Bigfoot country, right? I am. I'm on the Olympic Peninsula now. I live in uh, Washington State. Now, how about you, Scott? Where are you? Um, I'm in uh, in Missouri. Which is also Bigfoot country. Okay. Um, and, and somehow East Texas. I don't know why, but it seems like a lot of reports in East Texas. Uh, all right, you guys, I want you to listen to this. This is reportedly the real thing. Uh, it does come from Linda Moulton Howe, who investigates this kind of thing. And th- mm-hmm. this is the sound uh, that she came up with. Listen. <laughs> At a distance, recorded at a distance, obviously, but boy, that that doesn't change the the tone of that at all. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. Any reactions? 
I have heard uh, I've I've heard that sound actually, and uh, I've heard other sounds very similar to it. It's uh, it's yep. it's hard to say what it what it represents. Uh, if you can't see the source occasionally or see some evidence of the source, you don't really know. Hmm. It sounds like uh, maybe one is. Uh, I believe some of those screams back and forth are maybe a mother looking for its young or or a, a male looking for a mate or. Hmm. Um, or that may have been just trying to uh, induce the dogs. I heard barking too. Hmm. Uh, I've heard I've heard them up at our area uh, screaming out at a distance for, and you'd hear a, a bunch of coyotes off in the distance. And yes, a coyote sound. As Scott mentioned a few minutes ago, the one thing they don't hide is the amplitude and the sheer uh, volume in which they can speak will blow your head off just about yes. it's so loud especially when they're close to you now my comment would be whatever it represents i don't want to see it uh now scott uh yes. listen listening to that after hearing other sounds of bigfoot what do you think well uh the the resonance uh is, is certainly consistent with uh with the sierra creatures uh it sounds legitimate to me Right. I've heard that, again, like Ron. I've heard I've heard similar sounds like that, and I didn't hear anything that would be linguistic in that. No. But uh, but it it sounds like uh, the same creature to me. Would you Would you say uh, not linguistic, surely? But uh, is mm-hmm. is that indicative of excitement, pain, mating? Oh, what? That, of course. Well, uh, you never know. You never know. Um, it could even be indicative of some ritual. A ritual. Oh, sure. It could be some, well, like Ron said, it could be some mating ritual. It could be some other uh, some other ritual. Could be the conclusion of a mating ritual. That's one reason you don't want to mimic these sounds, because you don't know what they're saying. They're no. Any of you outside right now playing this radio into the darkness, think about what you're doing. <laughs> I have a lot of people wanting to uh, blast my sounds, uh, blast these sounds, and I don't suggest that at all because we don't know uh, what they real mean, what they do mean, and again, if or what it might bring. It might bring them something they don't want. <laughs> That's right. Uh, is uh, well, Northern California, obviously, uh, with the big trees and everything. But uh, what other big hot spots are there, in your opinion? Me, I, uh, well, this is a hot spot on the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, I'm involved in the Olympic project here somewhat, and uh, they have a lot of stuff going on there. I've met other people here. You just put the word out that you're involved in Bigfoot, and it seems like people start coming to you. Uh, right. Yeah, well, I saw one here, and da da da. And I've had uh, officials come to me, actually sheriffs and uh, outside forestry workers, and they they see them and. Uh, it, it happens a lot. Uh, all right. It's happening all over, it seems like. Anyway. Gentlemen, hold tight. A lot to do on the show. Ron Moorhead, uh, who is a author, adventurer, and renowned researcher, Bigfoot researcher, is with us, as well as Scott Nelson, who is, believe it or not, a crypto-linguist. This guy has a lot of experience with the U.S. Navy. Went to the U.S. Navy's uh, cryptologic uh, voice transcription school, Russian and Spanish, and on and on and on. Knows about uh, language and says that's what we're hearing here is language, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, somebody com- uh, comments on my uh, computer. I, I call it the wormhole. They send messages. He said, 
Uh, yep. Like most couples, I think the wife was doing most of the talking. <laughs> so, reaction we got. Um, so let us move on to yet another uh, recording. And I, I guess, were most of these recorded at the same place or these are all different? All these were recorded at the very same camp. Some of them were months apart, some were years apart. This went on from 71 through 76. Interesting. Um, what about, my, is it harder to get these kind of sounds in the modern day than it was then? Oh, yes. It seems like it is. At least it has been for me. Uh, I, I really sometimes don't go up there without a recorder. I just uh, I want to find out more about them now, and because I think they are tuned into human exploitation, I try to just go up there simple, let them create the action if there's going to be any. Uh, right. You can't be the uh, antagonistic up there. You've got to let them be the uh, aggressor. If they're going to interact with you, they will. And if they're not, they, they seem like they choose who they want to interact with. So right. getting more sounds has just uh, been very difficult. But I, I know they're there. All right. Well, I'm going to play this next one. And then, again, we'll talk about it and come back and then perhaps play it yet again. Here we go. I think. Oh, uh, that was very, very, very different. Um, uh, I don't know where to start. What do you, what do you think we were hearing there? Uh, you want me to chime in on that? Yeah, sure. Anybody, yeah. anytime. I don't care. I think, uh, well, I just I gave you that one because it sounds like they've got rhythm. <laughs> the <laughs> thing was really cold. It was a cold night, very cold. And... Uh, he might have just been trying to stay warm. I don't know what the deal was. I thought I'd give you that one just because it's, uh, I don't know what he was trying to do. Well, Ron, I don't know if you uh, know, Scott. Right, what, have you analyzed that one at all? Wait, 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 before you start. Okay. That sound that we heard that was like, or clicking, or I can't duplicate the sound, but um, was that a sound produced by the creature, or was he banging on something? I don't know. We didn't see him doing whatever he was doing. He was slapping. I think he was slapping on himself. He might be slapping on a rock. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that was audible. That what? was not auditory. That I don't think he was. He was not producing that with his uh, with his auditory tract. Oh, okay. So you think that might have been a slap? That's what or I think. Clacking of rocks or something. Something besides uh, a vocalization. What about emotion or um, oh. tone of that? Sure, there's there's always that. that well, I mean, yeah, what do you he, make yeah, of yeah, it? He's got that. Well, he's he's got a you know, he he's still uh, grumbling as he's doing that. So maybe some kind that, of frustration. Could be. Sure. Uh, this was one of the last sounds we recorded in 1972. The weather had moved in, uh, was really cold, and again, the camp is 8,400 feet in elevation. Uh, it could have been uh, they were leaving uh, for the winter, because I do think they migrate down out. Uh, I don't know what it represents. Okay, well, here it comes one more time. People can decide 
for themselves. That is a good recording, though, really a good recording. Uh, that's what's shocking me about these. Um, you know, usually if we talk about UFOs, we get very fuzzy pictures. Uh, but And here we're getting very clear audio, as though the re- person recording would have to have been pretty close. Yes? Well, we were close. They were close to us. Uh, we were inside the shelter during this time. Every time we'd go out, they would stop, and uh, so we were just—we had our mics stuck through the uh, shelters. Was a bunch of logs laid up against a cable and a group of trees, so you uh, basically stuck your mic in there and hoped they came that way. We all were recording, though. I think this guy was just trying to learn how to play drums. (laughs) Um, We mentioned encounters earlier, and there are people unlike me, who want an encounter. They would like to encounter a Bigfoot. Um, Do you have any advice on the best way to proceed if you really want an encounter? I do. In fact, I have a whole list of things that seems to work, and people who try them say they work. Proceed. Uh, First of all, they they got to be the aggressor. Uh, You can't can't make something happen with them. You got to wait and hope they interact with you. You got to uh, be uh, habituated in an area for a long time, so they trust the area. Let me get my list out here. I can be better at it. That sounds right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm and, thinking back to the lady. Be, be sincere. Be sober, so you know what's going on. Take notes. Uh, get get a relaxed atmosphere and just have fun. If they if they start clacking rocks or doing something out around you, and you think it's them because you're in a hot spot. Because there are hot spots, and. Um, just relax and don't try to shine lights. Whatever you do, don't shine a flashlight out there. Why? They will, they will leave in a heartbeat. Okay. Uh, and just, uh, yeah, I got a lot of tips uh, on my website, uh, BigfootSounds.com. And uh, if, if, if they want an interaction, but when we get through this, this tonight, they may not want the interaction they think they want now. I have some sobering things that I believe that uh, uh, might... You may not want the interaction. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a question for you, uh, both, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they are so rare. They are so hard to find. They are associated uh, more than not many times with UFO sightings. Do you think, either one of you, uh, that there is a paranormal aspect to them? Hmm. I, I've come to believe that there is, Yes. Uh, based on all the evidence I've found over 40-some odd years of researching this and what I've found in our camp, too. There's been some very strange things happen in our camp besides just these vocalizations. Oh. We've had uh, lights following us around. We've had, uh, I've seen a control light come down, which I don't know if it, well, it was unidentified to me, but it was controlled, big blue light, uh, come down to, uh, close to our camp and just get lost behind the trees really? uh there's been sounds that we don't quite know how to interpret there was a time when we were in, in our shelter we heard what we thought our camp was being torn apart metallic sounds like the cans and everything we packed in on our mules were just being tossed around everywhere we had barrels up there's been banged on 
Well, we look out there thinking we're going to see a mess, and nothing's been disturbed. I mean, nothing has changed. And how, do, how does that compute? It's either mass hypnosis or you're hearing into another dimension that, that you don't see. Uh, something, uh, I guess you can call it paranormal, because that certainly wasn't normal. Mm. And there's been in the daytime, you hear a big uh, tuning fork sound, like, like there's a huge spaceship right over your head, but you're not seeing anything, but you hear it. And it's, it's just uh, uh, things like that happen. We've heard clicking noises we don't know what to make of. Right. It follow us around. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's something different going on with these things. And I've got my ideas. But, uh, okay. I've been all over the world uh, studying these things, and down in Peru mostly. And that's where it really put me over the edge because I found some things that are not human down there. And uh, UFOs are commonplace in Central and South America. All right, uh, for for Scott. Mm-hmm. Yes, Scott. What is this that, in your mind, after all your study, absolutely makes this a language? What as what parts of it say this is a language? Well, first off, it, uh, the Barrymore the Barrymore Head tapes um, display virtually every characteristic of human language uh, that there is. Um, the most important being, again, the conversational turns between two creatures, taking turns, speaking to each other back and forth, the repeating of morphemes, or what we might call syllables or, or uh, minimal words right. uh, between the two of them, you know, exactly the way humans do. Right. I heard it in that first recording without question. Absolutely. Yep. Is that there's, the, there's is just it, too many too many characteristics of language evident in the in the tapes that they that uh, it's it's undeniable it's undeniable anymore. All right, that, um, um, one question for you, Scott, is how do you know these tapes are real? And actually, you know, have you been there when they were re- some of them were recorded or no? Then no, how do you know I, they're I real? Didn't. Well. Um, I, that's one of the things, that was one of the three conclusions I came to immediately upon hearing it. That's what blew me away so quickly, is that um, I spent a whole career listening to the human voice on tape, and I had been trained in every uh, method of deception possible. Right. I was I was a Russian analyst, so, uh, you know, and the Russians were the best, during the Cold War, the Russians were the best. And I was trained in every deceptive method that the Russians used. And when I first heard these, my first impression was that even the Russians could not have faked these, especially not in, in uh, you know, 1974. Right. And at the time, I didn't know that they'd already been, you know, analyzed by a sound uh, expert, uh, Dr. Curlin from the University of Wyoming, and he had already proven that, that the tapes could not have been faked. There Just are, I believe, experience. right. There are, I believe, certain ways to to prove if something has been either created with a program or modified with a program. Absolutely correct. Whether it's an original recording or not. So right. yeah, I'll buy. I'll buy that. Uh, all right, let's move on to number three. And again, recorded roughly in the same place or what? Same place. Same place. Uh-huh. Same place. All right. Number three. Here we go. I think. Come 
Wow. Pretty cool. Very different. Mm. Um, very cool. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. kind of a, a, almost a whistle? It was a whistle. Uh, yeah, that was one of the first exchanges we actually had. That was Warren Johnson whistling back uh, to it. Uh, okay. We found out that whistling, actually they do, is done through the vocal cavity. It wasn't done through the lips like we normally whistle. So that was kind of unique. That's why I sent you that one. Um, and anyway, it was just one of the first exchanges we actually had, which uh, I recorded. And I thought, that How do I know the difference between the Bigfoot whistle and, did you say Warren? Warren Johnson, uh-huh. yeah, he's yes. the one that whistled. Well, you can, you can, I can hear it. I don't know if you can. It's kind of a background whistle back, but it sounds like a human whistle. That's why I'm done, playing them twice. Yeah, uh, because or through the vocal cavity, according right. to Dr. Curlin. Gotcha. Um, again, uh, here it comes again, and that's why, because I want you two to listen to what's Warren and what's Bigfoot. Here we go. Okay, that time I could go Warren mm-hmm. Bigfoot easily. Yep. Got it. Uh, got it. So is whistling, um, it's a form of communication, obviously, but I, I, I mean, is it it's part of their language, Scott? Well, um, we don't know yet. Uh, it's, it's certainly not language articulated in the same way that humans do. Um, which most of their most of their utterances are, but uh, we don't know. I mean, certainly in, in humans communicate with whistles as well. But yes, not, they do. Not, not linguistically. I mean, not you know, not articulated. You know, by the, the same apparatus that we do. <laughs> yes. We yeah. do communicate with whistles. It's true. <laughs> sure. They, uh, they seem to have a very very flexible vocal cavity, a vocal range. Uh, Dr. Curlin's report showed their range. Uh, they can go above, in, and below mm-hmm. what a human can do, which gives the uh, suggestion they can mimic almost any forest animal uh, if they wanted to. And I know I've heard an 800-pound owl up there one time, and uh, yeah. I never saw an 800-pound owl. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Sasquatch lives uh, at least... I don't want to say near humans, but frequently around humans. And so you have to wonder if their language, such as it is, has been affected in any way by what they've heard from human beings. You want me to take that, Ron? Yeah, you're the, yeah. You're the expert on yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. we'd have to assume that they, uh, that they are influenced by other languages the same way that humans are, that... Um, that and especially because uh, virtually all Bigfoot researchers believe that uh, that they are so observant and uh, so elusive that they are able to hide. They, they could uh, keep themselves hidden and and be very observant of our languages, and would be and it would serve them very well to know specific words that humans use, right? Like food, like food and guns, right? And you know. <laughs> 
hunt or whatever. You know, you would think that they they would make it their business to figure out what we mean by specific uh, morpheme streams. Do you think, uh, going back back to Ron for a second, uh, Ron, that these are uh, creatures that were here long before man, or do you think these are creatures that uh, have, I don't know, have always been, I don't know how to ask the question. How long have they been around? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. Good answer. If you don't know, say I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's better. Um, is there any indication that they are getting either closer to contact with humans or moving away from it more and more? Hmm. Hmm. They're multiplying. I'm quite sure of that. Uh, they don't need protection like a lot of people think. We've got to kill one so you can protect them. That's ridiculous. If anything, we need protection. <laughs> but they, uh, they are multiplying. There are small ones being seen. Uh, what they are and why they're here because they still stay hidden from man. They, they don't come out and expose themselves to humans uh, unless it's by accident. And right. What They're bigger, stronger, very stealthy. They're cognizant beings. And at least the ones I dealt with are cognizant. And uh, that, that tells me something. They have language. Uh, why are they here? Mm -hmm. And what are they? What are they doing? Why are they holding back? If it, they could trust anybody, they should be able to trust me. I've never threatened them. I've been up there. And <laughs> I've been up there and had them around me, and yet they won't come out and shake my hand or mm. tell me more about them, so I can discuss this with, with the world like I'm doing now. I just want to know more, and I think I'm learning more as I go. Uh, I hope to anyway. All right. Well, here's, none of us here's know everything. All right. That's right. Here's one for you. We've discussed this on the show recently about whether, uh, for example, a human being. Do you have the ability to know when somebody is staring at you? Uh, you probably think you do, but I had someone tell me, a doctor, uh, the other night, that you don't. I, I disagree with that. I think that you do know when somebody's staring at you. And moreover, I also think you know when a threat is close to you, uh, unless you're really mm -hmm. dense and you've been playing too many computer games, and you're so out of touch with the world that you, you don't feel it. But, you know, there's this thing with the hunter, and sort of just before the, the trigger gets squeezed or the, the bow and the arrow, the arrow lets go, the buck suddenly raises up and knows something's about to happen. So what do you think? I think it's a process called quantum entanglement. <laughs> And I, I seriously, that's uh, that's my term for it. I think within every human being, we we have the ability to perceive things, and that's through the pineal gland. And if it can catch the vibration, if you you can communicate with each other that way, uh, telepathically, uh, I think animals uh, sense sense things like that. And I I believe what you're saying that that uh, an animal, can, if you entangle it. And these things can entangle you. There's yes. creatures, these Bigfoot creatures. I've been entangled by them, uh, paralyzed, basically, uh, and not out of fear. Just basically could not move, me and Warren Johnson. Yeah, I, I, I say this because <laughs> if they have a way to sense danger, then maybe they also, you know, are relaxed. And when you're around, they sense that you're not a threat. And so they make sound, even though you got guns. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure if they thought we was going to shoot at them, or they wouldn't have done what they did with us up there. 
And I don't know why they did. I don't know why we were chosen. We didn't realize how unique what we had was what had we had going on was at the time. We just thought we were having fun with it, basically. Mm. And you might be able to tell that from some of the interactions we've had. But uh, Al Barry, the investigative reporter that went in in '72 and recorded some of the sounds you're hearing. He, he was doing a job. He thought it was a hoax at first. He couldn't believe the story. Uh, and uh, he interviewed us all. We finally agreed to let him go in. And he was looking for a hoax for so long. I didn't even know it. I thought he was up there as part of the group. But he was going through our bags when we were out walking around. He was uh, trying to find a hoax. Couldn't what, believe what, it. Uh, what kind of story did he write? Well, he wrote a book, uh, a Bantam book in 1978, I think it was, 76 it was, uh, about our uh, up there. And he ended up believing it inside, but still the science in him wanted to not believe it because of the strangeness that was going on. How could these things not leave more evidence besides their tracks? Mm -hmm. We had a a man go up there, a wildlife biologist, uh, to do a Floriflanta study just at the suggestion of a scientist to see if there was any evidence of uh, any nails in a tree or speaker wires in the ground or anything like that. And We stayed up there three days, he and I did, and he did a thorough research. I wrote about this in my book, uh, Voices in the Wilderness, and and I give his report in there, at least in part, because I want to give away the location. But he couldn't find any evidence of something like that. Of course, we knew it wasn't happening. But again, we're eight miles back in the wilderness, and it's quite an imposing trip. It's not like a walk in a park. Uh, You can get hurt up there. That's right. Well, Scott, uh, going again back to that first recording, which was really awesome and seemed like a talk between or an argument even between a man and a wife, um, have you identified in any of the recordings uh, fear? outright fear 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 in them yes um, in the creatures not that i would not that i would have made a notation of that it seems that the you know whenever you're doing a transcription like this the analyst uh you know should make a notation of any uh, emotions that he feels are being expressed and i didn't uh write any uh, i did not make any notation that would describe fear in okay. them. All right. Well, might have been a little fear in the male's voice after getting <laughs> raked up and down by the female. All right, we've got another recording here. Um, this is called Rocks 2, whatever that means. That means. Can I say something about that? Yep, yeah, please. You know, it's, it's basically what they do when they first come around. Uh, they will crack rocks, uh, they will whoop, they will make sounds like that to, I think, uh, as a code to another one. Again, if the, if the people who are wanting the encounter just sit still, they will come closer and do more. Okay. This is the sound you hear, the big cracks and, and the rhythmic rock popping, basically, um, that, that they announce themselves with a lot of times. Right. If I hear the sound of cracking rocks, I'm gone real quickly. Because whatever can crack rocks can certainly do something like that to skulls. Uh, Here we go. Listen carefully. Thank you. 
effectively cracking rocks. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. It sounded like big rocks, too. You know, I might say this. The uh, man we took up there, Joe Hauser, who is a, uh, outside, he's a survivalist, he's a wildlife biologist, very qualified. And uh, he found a batch of rocks over behind a, a huge outcropping that were not indigenous to the area. It was a pile of, of rocks, which I had never noticed before. None of us had. And they were brought from the river way down below, eight miles uh, track. Uh, no one hauls rocks up there, believe me, but they were not from there. And we've often wondered where those rocks that they were pounding together that night. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Um, I guess, Scott, in that, not a lot for you to decipher, huh? No, unless you know that we have to assume that there, they, there's some meaning in the uh, there's some purpose as to why they would clack the rocks in that way. So there has to be some meaning, but not necessarily linguistic. Well, communicative possibly, but not linguistic. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about you, Ron? Any guesses about yeah, what rock cracking uh, might mean? I think it's a code. They're talking to each other or without vocalizations. They're, they're sending messages to each other because they'll do that also with whooping sounds, which we, that'll be the next one you play probably. Right. Uh, but the whooping sounds have different intonations, and they're not meant directed at the humans that are present, I don't believe. And uh, they are meant to uh, some type of a single to, the, to another one. And it isn't until uh, they get past that stage that they start making their sound. Okay, in this rock-cracking uh, audio that we have, is it one creature you believe um, cracking these rocks, uh, or is it a com are we hearing a communication back and forth? Are there two creatures you're, involved? You're hearing two. There was two. There was back and forth. They were from different directions. I, I recorded that that night, and that's the night I actually got to see one. And uh, you'd have one over here and then another one uh, a couple hundred feet away. And they were either hitting rocks or, or banging wood. Were they covered in fur? Well, it was... The one you saw, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'd call it hair, but hair. Uh, it's, uh, I can't tell you that. It was dark. It was a bright moon out, so it's just as you've seen the dark figures, you don't know really what, what, uh, what they're like. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't give you a definitive description of what I saw, just that it was very fast. It was moving between the trees. My friend got to see one at a different time that same night. Really? And they were making these sounds, and that's the night that I started interacting with them because they were so bold. This was one of the first nights, actually, that they ever uh, was this bold while we were outside the shelter. Okay. Very well, unusual. Yeah, one more time here. Communicating with each other with big rocks. Dark Matter Network News. I'm Amy Martin. 
An anti-drone death ray will be up for sale soon. The device, which can dynamically identify UAVs and lock onto targets detected in a specified no-fly zone, features a directional antenna, which effectively shoots down the drones through signal-jamming radio interference. The device is scheduled for distribution through Colorado-based company LightEye and hopes to be sold to governments and airports. A V-shaped UFO has been reported recently as captured on film in Plush, Oregon. According to the eyewitness who was camping at the time, an extremely bright white light appeared in the western sky as if an aircraft with landing lights was flying directly toward the campsite. The witness reports, suddenly, one at a time, bright orange lights dropped out of the area where the first bright light had been. The orange lights faded away almost immediately, much faster than a typical flare drop from a military aircraft and much brighter. The object suddenly appeared northwest of the initial sighting, preceded by a bright white light and more orange lights falling from it again. This was witnessed a third time at the location of the original craft, with this series of lights alternating again back to the site in the northwest. Photos can be found in MUFON Report 70932 on the Mutual UFO Network website, MUFON.com. Owners of the house which inspired the blockbuster film The Conjuring are reportedly suing Warner Brothers following threats of violence and hordes of investigators looking to capture poltergeists in a Rhode Island farmhouse. The couple, who weren't the owners of the property at the time of the original paranormal incident, claim the property was inundated by curiosity seekers and trespassers who, at all hours of day and night, come to and on the property, approach and seek to enter the house, take photographs and videos, ignore the no trespassing signs, fences, and barriers installed. The movie itself chronicles the real-life memoirs of Ed and Lorraine Warren, the paranormal investigators made famous by the Amityville Horror Incident also founded the oldest ghost hunting group in New England in 1952. The sequel to The Conjuring, scheduled to debut in 2016, will feature the infilled poltergeist incident, also made famous by the Warrens, though many still consider the original incident to be a hoax. Butt dialing is currently putting a strain on emergency management systems all over the world. According to a study in San Francisco, over 30% of calls placed to the 911 center are indeed accidental. For every accidental call, a dispatcher spends an average of 1 minute and 14 seconds to leave each number a voicemail message. This has been Amy Martin with Dark Matter Network News. I've got Ron Moorhead who is an investigator, 40 years, more than 40 years now, actually, looking for and recording Bigfoot. Then I've got something very special, uh, Scott Nelson, who for 35 years has been a crypto-linguist, and he finds language in what he hears. And if you heard the first recording, which I'm going to find a way to make sure you do, uh, before we go tonight... um, you're going to agree with that. I mean, it's language. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You mentioned uh, that we're going to hear some whoops, as it were. Again, recorded uh, what? Same place? Same place. All these were recorded in the same Same camp, place, okay. Distance apart, yeah. But same, same place, different day. Different day. Well, somewhat different day. Yeah, the first two were the same day. Well, no, I can't say that either. 
we've got a lot of recordings, Art. Uh, all of us are recording. I've got hours of this stuff. Really? I, I just pulled out these that give you kind of a... Uh, Sample. Sample, you know, basically of different... You topics. have hours of this, really? Yes, yes. They were coming in quite regularly for us. Uh, we would leave food out, and uh, again, we weren't threatening them. And uh, I think uh, that, that we just got lucky, well, I Okay, guess, then let me ask Scott, if, if, if there are hours of this, uh, Scott, you've heard a lot more than we have. Um, yes. So, in hours, how many times did you hear the kind of apparent dialogue that we heard in that first recording? Oh, throughout throughout uh, really oh absolutely yeah absolutely oh, we really are dealing yep. with something here yeah we have 75 i mean it took me uh, f- uh four and a half months initially to transcribe all of the 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 three tapes the two berry tapes and then uh, ron's tape um just about 90 minutes um took me uh, four and a half months to transcribe to you know to do it right I've got, no, I've we got have, We have 75 pages. Holy moly. All right, here come the whoops, folks. We'll, uh, listen very carefully. Here it comes. One, two, three. Ooh, good one. Um... Is that two separate creatures? I presume, or I think it was. It was a night when there were three of them in camp. Three, uh, three creatures. Yeah, and so I, 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 we had a lot of whoops that night. Uh, it was right after the rock popping, actually. That you heard last session we had here, but the whooping was, uh, I think, between a couple of them, back and forth, and different intonations. Uh, I got different, different whoops than just those, but uh, those are two kind of unique. I thought they were good. Um, Scott, any yeah. emotion that you can uh, attach to um, whoops? I mean, is it a way of it, one attracting or another, or just letting you know I'm here, or what do you think? I would assume that it was something like that. It's, I would assume it, it's something locational or something like that. I didn't uh, sense much emotion in that, but certainly some purpose to it. Maybe location. Um, all right. Huh. Almost sounds like sonar blips. It almost does, huh? That's yeah, it could have been trying to draw us out too with the rocks, just to see what we're going to do. Because Bill and I, uh, my friend who was there with me, we just we just ridden in with our horses and started getting dark when all this started happening. And uh, you had horses with you? Yes. Oh, I'm curious. How did the horses react to these sounds? They were paralyzed, just frozen. They they don't scuttle or nothing. They just stand there still. Their ears are pointed right out towards where these sounds are coming from. I bet. But it didn't seem to bother them like bear. When bear come around our camp, which we got a lot of bear up there, uh-huh. uh, they would fuss a lot. But they didn't fuss when these things were around. In fact, when we'd go out, sometimes we'd go out walking in the daytime, just hiking or something, and and a horse would leave our horses there, and uh, we'd come back and find some big uh, uh, Bigfoot prints around our horses where they came in and examined our horses. I had no idea, uh, Ron, that you had so much more than what we're hearing tonight. 
I assume well, this you have hours and hours of it. Wow. Yeah, we do. Uh, a lot of it. And a lot of it, uh, actually, Scott don't even have because it's just not the quality that we gave him the best quality we had. And uh, mm-hmm. there was times when they didn't come in close to the mic. It was kind of more of a distance, you know. Uh, maybe the mic was pointing one way and they were on the side, other side of the shelter right. or something. Right. So these are the, some of the better quality ones we had. And uh, But, yeah, this went on for – that's what makes it so interesting because it went on for not just one or, t- one or two times. It went on for years. And All right. Now, the, the, the next today. thing, you know, we could go on and on about this, uh, but even with the three-hour show, we're pressed a little because I'm going to allow callers and stuff like that. So the next one says Vocal Exchange 2. Um, so is this kind of like the first one we heard, only different? No, this is between me and one of the creatures. Uh, oh. not between two of the creatures. It's, it's one of them trying to get my attention, and I was mocking it, or mimicking it, I should say. Or it was mimicking me. I'm not sure which way it was going. You'll hear it. So that that is a successful tactic uh, in trying to get them going, is to make noise yourself? Well, no. They were, they were I think, intentionally uh, trying to attract me, and uh, I yelled, yelled at them. And it's, basically, they came back at me with a yell of their own, and I tried uh-huh. to mimic that. Uh, you were fairly sure it wasn't a mating call, right? I, I, hadn't, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, or I might not have done what I did. But it was an exciting night, I'll tell you that. All right, vocal exchange two, here it comes, I think. For a good time, uh, come to the fifth tree over the hill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was having a good time that night. Uh, Sounded like it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I wish I knew what they were saying to me, what they were trying to say to me. Scott could never tell me that, though, until we get one of them to say, ooga, ooga, that's a tree. You don't know what they're trying to say. No, but, you don't. Uh, you notice the difference in the sound, though, from the oh, first I, one that I, you heard. Absolutely, it sure. It wasn't quite as rapid sounding. And, uh, Scott, I had a question for him uh, years ago. Uh-huh. Was it the same vocal mechanism or the same creature made that sound as made the ones in the 71, 72 tapes? And, and he said, yeah. And so what we think and what he say, thought is that it slowed its articulation down to perhaps something they thought would, was communicatable to us. And uh, that's very exciting to me to think they actually did that. Uh, means trying they're to, trying to communicate. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's communicating, yeah. 
All right, we're going to do this one again. Listen very carefully, everybody. And you you can tell uh, which one is Ron very easily. Uh, Must be something to be out there, uh, and and you can tell that you're getting them going. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. There. I mean, it worked. So the whole night had a, has quite a story behind it. Uh, again, I write about that in my book. But uh, they knew who we were. They evidently saw us come in at the bottom when we packed our animals to head up there, and they knew where we were going. We found a huge track on the trail after our animals had got spooked we wasn't sure what it was could have been a bear could have been a deer could have been anything but we saw this big track sometime later perpendicular to the trail right so we thought well okay they're still around it's fresh no one else has been on the trail at all and uh, after so far you don't leave a trail you go different ways so we didn't leave a trail uh, but when we got to camp uh we it was it soon started getting dark so when we started hearing the rocks going together and the whooping and then the interaction just heard and some more besides that but uh, we found a huge uh, track in front of our, our shelter uh, the next morning, actually. We knew it was made before we got there because uh, Bill's dust cover off his rifle had fell in, into the track and it hadn't been crushed down. It was just tilted up on the track. So that track was made before we got there. But that's not the end of the story. Earlier that year, we had re-roofed the shelter with some fresh plastic, cut some with a machete, cut some uh, vines off over at the spring, some alders put it up on top of the shelter. They were pretty dried up by the time this, this came around. And it was next morning we found two fresh alders been twisted off of the spring and laid up there. Mm-hmm. And these, these we found where they were actually twisted off. They were inch and a half round. No human could do that. But it took an opposable thumb to to make that happen. What strength they got to have. Uh, and But that's kind of like they knew we were coming, where we were going. And that's, that's sentiency. You know, yes. Pretty smart. Um. Why they were happy to see us. Right. Everybody always asks, um, and I'm getting messages on my computer called the wormhole, why no bones? Why no bones? Why no remains? Are they, um, do they live forever or what? Well, the native lore is that they take care of their own. If they're like a people like I think they are, they probably bury their own, assuming mm-hmm. they die, you know. Uh, we don't find bones of a lot of animals. If you know, anything lays around and woods very long, it gets consumed. Nature takes care of itself. It does. So it's not, it's not so unusual to not find bones. Okay. Uh, uh, somebody else said, well, you saw one, and they asked, can you describe in any way 
the face of the creature. No, I can't. It was just fast. I remember that. It was just extremely fast. No human could go through the woods that fast. Right. It was a bright moonlit night. By the time uh, it got dusk and started getting dark, it, it really wasn't dark. You could read a newspaper at 8,400 feet in those mountains. And it was so bright, the moon was. Uh, that's that's why we got just looks of them bouncing between the trees. I sure don't know any animal that makes a sound like we've been hearing. Um, no. Well, no, just a Bigfoot. And I'm not sure all Bigfoots talk. And humans. And hu- well, I don't. I don't know about humans. Um, some of those sounds I I would not ascribe to oh, a human. Yeah, would, right. Certainly not that first one we played. <laughs> that was incredible. Um, all right, we have one more uh, new sound to play, and I think time to play it. Yes. So let's do that. Um, you want to say anything about this, or should I just... Well, I, I think this is a question that they're asking me, and I don't know what it, what they're saying, but it just sounds, the intonation is, is like they want me to uh, say something to them. And I call it the question, they call it question, because it's just, uh, it's always puzzled me as what they were asking me, and I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, and I thought it was kind of unique, so I gave it to you. All right, here it comes. Wow. Um, Yes, um, you could almost hear almost an inquiry. Maybe it maybe one of the sounds you made made them respond in that way, asking, trying to trying to ask you a question, huh? I think so. I don't know what, but um, we were just, uh, again, when we started off that evening, we just ignored them. That's how you get them to come in. And uh, we were just, uh, we had a stove fire going. We, can't, we packed a stove up there years before and s- assembled it uh, after we got up there on mules. But we were just there, had built a fire, uh, basically had our horses out. And uh, when these things started doing all this stuff, I we got our little recorders out of our saddlebags and set them up and started recording the things. But, uh, it was uh, an exciting evening, and that again, that's the evening that we both uh, got to get glimpses of them. My daughter, uh, all the guys have just about all of them, except Al Barry, got to get glimpses of these things. My daughter has seen some, some up there really clearly, and uh, she described it as a seven-foot-tall, slender male, and uh, just broad shoulders. But when it turned, it doesn't turn its... It turns its whole body. It didn't. They don't seem like a. They have a neck. They got to have a neck, but it, it, they don't turn their neck. Um, but, uh, did she get close enough to see a face? Yeah, she she described it. She looked like a, just a big black basketball player. Really? They they have a very human like face. From all the reports, I've been interviewing people now for all these years. And right. They have a uh, very human like expressions on their face. And, uh, I have reason to believe that they are part human. And, uh, okay, don't that, know about the language thing if they yeah. all have language or not. But uh, I think they're well. well, we'll the ones you've been around certainly seem to. These have language. We know that. <clears throat> all right. Well, the nature the nature of language would say that if uh, uh, that species wide, if if 
one clan has language, it would essentially be species-wide. Huh. Okay. Uh, all right, gentlemen, uh, hold tight. Here we go. One more time. All right, so now here's what we're going to do, folks. Um, we have two experts with us, one an investigator, the other a linguist, a crypto-linguist at that, and uh, a lot of experience with Bigfoot between them. So if you have questions about what you've heard, Oh, by all means, I'm going to open up the lines. We're, we're headed shortly into a break, but I'm going to open up the lines. Our public number is, you would dial a 1, and then area code 952-225-5278. Again, area code 952-225-5278. Now, if you have Skype on your iPhone 6, your Android, whatever it is, if you don't have Skype, download it. When you get it, just go to the add a contact part. And if you're in North America, meaning America or Canada, you would enter MITD51. That's MITD as in midnight in the desert, MITD51. Then we'll be on your contact list. If you're outside uh, the U.S. and Canada, it's MITD55. So, with all of that information down, knowing we're ready to take calls, I invite you to pick up the phone and ask whatever you would like. But these are the clearest, wildest Bigfoot sounds I've ever heard in my life. We're going to replay that, number one. That was awesome. I'm Art Bell, and this is Midnight. We have two guests with us tonight, uh, Ron Moorhead. Um, a researcher for a very long time now, 40-plus years, and uh, Scott Nelson, who is a crypto-linguist with 35 years' experience, and we're talking Bigfoot. Boy, have we been talking Bigfoot. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome back. Uh, I want to play that number one one again because it's so impressive. Uh, I would take it that because you played it first, you probably brought it to me because it's one of your better or even best samples. Would that be fair? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best. It's just uh, it's one of many uh, of really? the same type vocalizations that we had at, at the beginning, 71, 72. Most all of them sounded uh, kind of like that, just big, uh, confrontational. And uh, you heard the whistle later on, and that was uh, oh, yes. less. And that was the interaction, and that was in 72. Well, let me f- rephrase. The best I've heard tonight, how about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we'll go with that one. All right. I should have given you more like this, I guess. <laughs> I guess you should have. This was so impressive. Uh, listen carefully, folks. Come <laughs> on. 
You know, it seems to me like it's the male that lost the argument at the end there, and that's just frustration. <laughs> um, I, I want to go maybe overseas. I'm not sure. I'm not great at adding stuff, but uh, I believe Steve is here. Where are you calling from, Steve? Hey, Ross Wills. I'm calling from Germany. It's me again, Steve, from Germany. I had a, You had a, a guy on about two weeks ago about Bigfoot, and I asked the question he couldn't answer, so I thought I'd ask these guys. It's about a Bigfoot that was captured named Daisy from the team Qantas. Is this a true story or is this just fabrication? Okay. I don't believe I've ever heard of that. Uh, what you, you call him? What was his name? Uh, well, Steve is the, the fellow who was calling in. I, I mean, I'm, uh, the I'm Bigfoot, sorry. did it have a name? Um, he's apparently gone now, so he oh. was depending on you. For an answer, Steve, you're you're not still there, are you? No, I don't think so. Um, sorry about that. I guess we're not going anywhere with that. You weren't familiar with it. Uh, so I'll tell you what. Let's try another, and um, it'll be Max this time on with uh, Ron and Scott. Good evening. Good evening. Nice Good to evening. talk to you again, Ron. We've actually met a few times. I uh, worked with the BFRO up here in Washington State. Um, we know a lot of the same people, Tom Yams and uh, Paul up here in, in Washington and whatnot. I had a question sure. for you. One thing I've never uh, heard, and maybe you mentioned it tonight. I missed the first hour and a half or so. Oh, boy. Um, what do you suppose happened to that family group that was in there? Are you still getting, uh, you know, reoccurring things happen? I know there's been, I, if I understand correctly, it's, the area is still undeveloped and right. pretty remote. Um, but I never heard what the follow-up over the years has been with that with that group that was in there. Yeah, well, I think it's the same group. I was there in 2011, which was my last trip. I've been un- unable to get in there since then just because of a fire, the road being closed off or something. But the actual area is still there and still intact. Uh, that was my last encounter I had. Um, I don't know if it's the same family group. I tend to think it is uh, because there were young ones involved in the 70s. And I don't know how old these things live to be. But uh, they seem to recognize me or want to, for some reason or another, uh, show themselves, not show themselves physically, but uh, they'll let me know they're there. And they certainly let me know they were there in 2011. Uh, Scott Nelson and I had Mm -hmm. been up there three times that summer for a week each time trying to capture more vocalizations. And uh, uh, a few little things happened, but after he left to go back to work, I went up there by myself. Uh, which is really not a smart thing to do. You mm. get hurt in a lot of ways, but uh, one of them came around and uh, made a big wood knock right outside this little tent I'd set up, and uh, I heard some chatter going on, and then it started walking around, and uh, basically it was daylight when they first made themselves known, but I didn't see anything. I just heard it right there. It's like a forty-four Magnum going off right outside my tent. 
And uh, anyway, that was 2011. I think it's the same family group, but again, uh, who knows? Yeah, I've experienced those mm-hmm. wood knocks real close in the dark. It's uh, it's it's startling to say the least. Um, right. I had one more question, if we if I have time, Art. You do. Um, the uh, oh no, I forgot what it was. I, I saw on uh, on Facebook here that you might be doing a couple uh, shows, uh, uh, some some Bigfoot uh, conventions and whatnot in the next year. I was wondering if if there's anything um, you wanted to talk about there. And then I had an uh, opportunity to sit down with Bob Gimlin a few years ago. And when when you talked to Bob, of course he was the other half of the Patterson footage. Bob was there with with Roger when they uh, got that that sh- that footage there. Um, when you talk to Bob, you know he's kind of uh, iffy as to whether or not that encounter was something he wished had happened in his life. He's had a lot of negativity come of the uh, the publicity and whatnot. Of course, he's he's made up for it in the year in recent years, but uh, overall, he kind of has said that you know he wished if he had it all over to do again that it didn't happen to him just because of that. How do you feel? What if you had it to do all over again? Um, what if you have done the recordings? and brought them forward and all of that or would you wish you'd kind of kept it to yourself and thank you no, I, 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 sure. thanks for the question but uh, no I, I would do just what I'm doing uh, at the time I didn't know that I'd be doing this believe me Al Berry uh, who is deceased now but he's the one who talked me into just start talking about it because uh, I could get my I could, well we were invited uh, he got out because he wrote the book so the word got out then, and the people that were involved in it got out so we started talking about it but I would do it again it was a very exciting time it's a very exciting time still for me mm-hmm. I've traveled uh, as you know all over the world researching this phenomenon and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something I think uh, we need to know I, I need to know more but I think I've got some, some uh, ideas that are very compelling it's uh, really it's really about. good that you came on this particular show because we've got spectacular audio so people can hear this uh, particularly with headphones in super fidelity and um so I'm glad you came here. With reference to, he asked you about shows, by the way. Yeah. Well, Scott Nelson and I just did a show this last weekend in Oklahoma, uh, and uh, the fire, Killing Bigfoot uh, cast was there to, uh, uh, well, to talk basically to filming, and uh, it was a packed out place. It was really a good good program. Uh, I'm on your program tonight, so that's good. Uh, tomorrow I get Skyped by another network uh, doing something. And then uh, this weekend I'm going to the Olympic Project uh, to meet up with some, some good people. And right. I have, uh, in November, I've got the um, Sasquatch Summit, which is in, held in here in Washington. I'm sure you know about that, Max. And we'll uh, have a good time there. Scott Nelson is going to be with me there. And he adds a lot to what I, what I, my program I do. And, All right. Uh, he so mentioned the Patterson yeah. film again, and and so I want to ask you: there has been some recent um, speculation that uh, a third person uh, or a, another person is seen uh, to the left in the video moving about. Have you heard about that? I've heard speculation like that. I, I've never, uh, I've never saw that myself. But uh, there's a lot of speculation on the Patterson film. It comes right down to it. It's, it's a female walking, and uh, they caught her on film, and it's spectacular. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that she was trying to lead them away from a young one on the left. Uh, is that what you're referring to? Uh, Bigfoot in the- yes, another something moving. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, I've, 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 I don't know. 
All right. I've seen that film as much, not as much as anybody, but I've seen it a lot, and <laughs> I've bet. never looked for that specifically because uh, Bob said he didn't see anything and uh, anything else. And, All right. All right. Uh, let's go to the phones, and uh, I think Fallon, Nevada, hello. Hello. How you doing, Art? Uh, doing fine. Great. Um, very impressive recordings. Oh, yes. Um, yes, yes. The main reason I called is the Sierras are very near and dear to me, and I used to do a lot of backpacking uh, for weeks at a time back in the early 80s. And the one that sent chills down my spine was the one with the rocks. Uh, my wife woke me up one night on one of our treks. and uh, Not with uh, rocks, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Not on me, you know. <laughs> But we heard the clanking, and it sounded like what guttural-type voices, but they were much in the distance. But you could definitely hear the clanking of rocks and what sounded like guttural-type communication. And they were in two different directions, like you guys said, almost a communication. Um, I'm not going to give the location. It's just somewhere off of 395 there. But, um, um yeah, that, that sent chills down my spine when I heard that one. And what kind of made me laugh and really call in is one day I took off the trail because we had a base camp set and uh, way off the trail. And I found a pyramid of spam cans. Just, I mean, I don't know why they were in that shape and it was all stacked up, but it was a pyramid of spam cans that had been tore open. It looked like... Uh, you know, bitten into, tore open. Um, and I just thought it was funny. It was like a monument almost. And I just kind of cracked a, up. A monument to spam. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I heard him say he left spam cans. And they were old cans. And this was in the early 80s when I used to go. So I, I just kind of thought that was funny. And I oh, cracked interesting. up. Yeah, interesting. They really do love spam, huh? Well, they ate it when we left it out. But we started taking better food up there. Uh, we packed in more, more with the mules and all. And uh, uh, anyway, they'll eat whatever you leave them as long as it's not rank. Do you think? Also, left a jar of peppers open one time. Hot oh. peppers. And, oh, uh, hot peppers! Fact, really? It was the same night we left that raunchy meat out that I talked about earlier. I was going to say, you're trying to invite an attack. Well, it was wrong. Uh, I mean, we should have done that, but they, all the peppers were gone the next morning. And these things had came in that night, and uh, they didn't take any more food from us the rest of that year. <laughs> all so, right, on Skype, Joe, hello. Oh, can Hi. you hear me? Yep, sure. Okay, uh, I got a couple of questions. Uh, right. Fire away. Uh, some people talk about digital recording devices opposed to the older Sure. cassettes and stuff do you think that has any effect on what you're getting oh i'm sure it would uh, i think the digital recorders are better uh cassettes is all we had during the 70s when these things were real close to us i use a, a h2 zoom in now uh, which is very small very lightweight it'll it'll recorded omnidirectional four or four different channels and you can put lithium batteries in that with a large chip and it'll last a long time but uh that's uh i have a question Mm -hmm. uh there have been reports of people in the presence of bigfoot with recorders like we're talking about right now but with batteries dying (laughs) it happens it's happened to me it's happened to scott that very night i told you when they came around my camp in 2011 when i was there by myself i had my my little digital recorder with brand new lithium batteries in Uh it 
And I, when I heard them chattering, I heard it going on. I turned that thing on, and batteries were dead. So you've observed that as well, Scott? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, Ron and I both have. I mean, we've sat there and virtually watched, the, uh, the, you know, the gauge on our H2 recorders. Wow. You can almost watch it drain. I, I get it. So, boy, that, that sure does put it over in the paranormal camp. Uh, caller, anything? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the Bigfoots can detect the digital versus the older cassettes? You know, they ignore well, I think the world. Everything makes a vibe, a vibration of some type, and it's possible well, you they know, can pick up that vibration. Electronics put out like a frequency or something, you know, digital. Yeah. I'm sorry. I must have talked over you. I do think they, they probably can. I know I'm quite sure they pick up infrared. Um, they also probably pick up infrasound and speak and probably make infrasound sounds. But everything has a vibration, and these things, uh, uh, trail cams, all that, have a vibration. And I think probably they, they can do that. I don't know, or it's all speculation, but but I would say yes, they could probably do that. And I don't know about the cassettes, uh, but I don't know why they wouldn't have a vibration, too. And if they can sense that, then they would know. Right. Okay, another thing I was wondering about, uh, a lot of people talk about the smell. Yes. Do the Can your dogs uh, track the smell and maybe find out if they live in a cave or something? Has anybody <laughs> ever tried to track them with dogs? Good point. Well, you never see your dog again. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't recommend people taking dogs if they're really wanting to research these things because the dog will go after them. You'll either lose your dog or your dog will cower down. And uh, on my second CD that I have, uh, I got a recording of a man who, who lost his dog, and he just called the sheriff's department after he'd seen this Bigfoot. And uh, it was uh, quite compelling to listen to him because it was all real. And it was, you, hear the, <laughs> you hear the sheriff's department asking questions, and right when he's had the sighting, his dog had gotten killed, big German shepherd. Tossed so uh, in what manner uh, was it killed? He said he heard a squeal, heard a big thunk, like, uh. it, like it hit on the ground, and he's seen it just sailing over the trees. While we're on the subject, uh, are there any reports of Bigfoot harming a human? No. Mm-hmm. No, not that I know of. Uh, Albert Osman uh, was taken away, supposedly, in his report of 1934, uh, interviewed by John Green in the 50s, and uh, he supposedly was kidnapped, carried away, and held by a, a captive by a family, uh, two adolescents and a male and a female in an area in Canada. This is up the Toba Inlet. I researched that when it flew over it with my plane uh, all for seven hours one day, and uh, uh, trying to find where he was, but uh, could not find the spot. And so you're you're a pilot, Ron? I am, yes. Um. That leads to another question. Uh, There have been many people who have asked if there is any reason to to think that somebody uh, who is a pilot like you, with some sort of downward-looking heat signature, something or another, might be able to look for these creatures. (laughs) I think people have tried that. Uh, If you're going to see one, it's going to be by accident. Uh, I, I know the technology is there, but my gosh, how much you'd have to fly to to pick one up you'd have to know the weight of it or have some heat seeking technology that would actually uh you could limit this the size of the creature to a thousand pounds or 800 pounds otherwise you'd be picking up every rabbit and varmint around well that's true i i would think though that in the winter uh for example or the colder weather it would be very easy to spot with uh with heat signature you know as opposed to the background uh 
ground. Well, that that supposes they're warm-blooded. We don't even know that, really, do we? We think they are. Uh, they're primates. Uh, and But again, it would take a, a lot to do that, a lot of funding and just a lot of time to... Uh, yeah, but they might be paranormal primates. That's right. You're hitting <laughs> on something there, Art, that sounds pretty interesting. That does. <laughs> There's um, a lot of enigmas associated with these creatures, and I do believe that when they're in our, in our dimension, our three-dimensional world that we live in, four if you want to count time, that they have to respond and live by our rules. Uh, but I think they may have some alien uh, something in the DNA that maybe got altered from a caveman or a great ape or something. All right. Um, Kansas City, Missouri, you're on with uh, uh, Ron and uh, Scott. Hi, Art. Just a couple of things here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of, uh, I'm thinking about Elaine right now, hearing about these spam sandwiches and Elaine's ham sandwiches and her pie. Yes. (laughs) Okay? Yes. Um, I have a question, though, specifically for you, Art. And it's about bugs. I know bugs has come up a few times here and there. Uh, if I brought up the name Ed or Edgar, would you be familiar with that? Um, I, I wouldn't um, comment one way or the other. Okay, I kind of assume so. I just, I just. I'm, I'm sorry. If you, would, um, I, if you look, would comment on bugs, look, and, I, and the map and all that. Uh, yeah, I, I would leave it to the family. As, as you know, the person bugs has passed away. And um, I really, really, really feel that it's up to the family to decide whether to release the map or whatever. Have you heard the same thing out there that uh, many of us have heard about the NSA showing up at his door with your map and making them take him to the graves of the Bigfoots that he? No, because my map uh, is. uh, Let's put it this. I don't want to talk about this, sir. I'm sorry. I got. I no. I respect that, and thank you for taking right. my call. Right. Thank you for making it. Uh, you've heard the story, gentlemen, about bugs. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I have. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was very yeah. convincing. Don't know if it was true. There's no way to know. But I did receive a map. I will say no more. Uh, Kirby. Uh, hello, Kirby, on Skype. Good evening, guys. Uh, Kirby, you're very, very loud. Back away a little bit. Oh, sorry. Is that any better? Not much. Back away a little more. Okay. Uh, sorry, guys. No, I just good. set this up here to that's check good. the audio levels. Yeah, it's okay now. Okay, great. Uh, earlier on in the uh, in the interview, guys, you mentioned that uh, uh, at some point uh, in the uh, discussion that um, some of the uh, some of the audio might uh, have have people uh, take a, sep- a second sobering thought about. Uh, uh, reaching out to to these creatures, and I'm just curious um, uh, if that's uh, exactly what you were referring to there. Yes, uh, they are bigger, stronger, faster, smart. It, it certainly has me. Th- uh, and if DNA can be manipulated or presented in, which I think it can, uh, these things, in my opinion, are hybrids, and they uh, possibly hybrids. have alien uh, something in them, which gives them attributes which we aren't quite understanding whoa. totally yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, wait! That's a whole hold it, hold it. That's a whole new direction you just pointed toward. Uh, you said hybrid. Yes. Elaborate, please. Hybrid of what? From alien intervention into into a great ape. Of some type, uh, changing the DNA, giving them the cognizance, and uh, 
given all the attributes that humans have, basically. And we're hybrids, if you want to believe in God. He, he made us in his image. We are cognizant creatures, which are very unique. We, we, we uh, have dominance over these things. That's why you can tell them to go away, and they'll go away. But there could be a very sinister reason for their existence. And they will uh, toy with people. They will befriend people. But there's a reason they're staying so hidden behind the trees in the backwoods of America. And I have my opinion of that. And basically, I know that hybrids have been here. I've seen the evidence of it with scientists down in Peru. And uh, again, UFOs are commonplace down there. But you're right. This is a different direction, which we haven't hit on tonight. But it's, it's, it how, I, it's how I'm putting the dots together. I've been hearing a lot about hybrids lately. So I am a Christian. I believe in, in God, and I believe that we are made in the image of God. So we have unique abilities, too, which we have not learned how to access totally. But these things, uh, they're made in the image of something else. And uh, they have all the things that, uh, that, well, they have a lot of attributes. All right. Uh, uh, can Kurt, they disappear? I've interviewed people, Art, that have said, said these things that disappear right in their eyes for a long I time. I just threw those account outs. And you've never seen that? I've never seen them just well. Not that I know I have. <laughs> Scott and I found some tracks that disappeared. We couldn't figure out where they went. All right. Well, that's pretty good, actually. They just suddenly well, end. Yeah. Um, all right. Kirby, anything else? No, that's great, guys. It, it gives you... Um uh, pause to you know rebroadcast some of these uh, some of these recordings as you were saying. So you you might not uh, be uh, too keen on what you might uh, receive back. So okay, well that's great. Appreciate it. right. I I don't think no. I I don't think I would take those uh, recordings. You know, out into the woods and just take them out and play them. No, 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 no. Um, let's go to um, my goodness, Silverdale, Washington. Is that correct? Hello? Yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. I wanted to. Hello. I wanted to ask um, Scott and Ron um, if that meat was um, rank, which it was, and they buried it, and they liked to seem to eat cooked meat. Do you have you ever found any indication that there is any any fires that they've had? You know, with the leftover kindling or anything that they've used or or ashes or anything any campsites that you've seen them cook on no nothing we've looked i've looked a lot over those mountains find some type of evidence for them like that i think they probably live in caves when they're here oh and do you think Uh, that they they don't have fires i would give them away and i think they're forbidden uh, to really interfere with humanity Okay, we're getting sudden noise from somewhere. Oh, what kind of proteins do you think they eat if there are, do they just convert uh, plants to protein? All right, we're going to hold it there, Trish, because there's noise coming on your line. I I have no idea what that is. Um, All right. Okay. They're omnivores, I'm quite sure. Uh, They they eat like we do. Uh, Uh They have the protein needs like we do. Uh, the hair, the scat, and all that, we, we turned into different uh, facilities in the 70s, but at that time, DNA wasn't, uh, wasn't up in, for grabs. If we had that same evidence now, we could probably get some DNA out of it. Uh, their scat, uh, defecation they leave, is masticated, chewed, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, I mean, huge, though. And uh, they could tell you what, uh, what, what it was eating at the time, but they couldn't tell you what it was. All right, uh, let's go to Delano, California, on the phone. Hi. Hi, how you doing, Art? Okay. Hey, um, 
Recently, I watched a question, or a show on Discovery or Nat Geo, one of those channels, where they were talking about trying to figure out if dolphins were actually speaking a That's language. Right. That's right. And, and they actually put it on a curve, and each little squeak and everything was just like English. You open a book and count how many ands and does and ors, and you put it in a graph, and it comes out to a perfect curve, which would tell them that it's an actual language. They did that with the dolphins, and they could tell that they were actually speaking a language. I was wondering if these tapes have been subject to that type of scrutiny to find out if it is an actual language. Well, the answer is yes. Scott would answer yes to that uh, regarding these sounds. Sure. But, but I think a better question is what he set up. Scott, um, are you mm-hmm. aware of the, they're looking for language abilities in, in dolphins? Well, well I, I don't know of that uh, particular study, but... but um it, you know that's it's been postulated for many years that uh, whales, for instance, and dolphins and and other animals have uh, communicative, you know, um, exchanges, right. if you will. But um, <clears throat> the difference in these tapes is that this is language by the human definition of it. We can call those other things whale whale utterances, if you want. Uh, you know, we can call that language if you want, but it's not language by the human definition of it. Whereas these utterances are articulated ex- uh, exactly in the same way that that we that humans do. Yeah, the way I, I understood the study though was that they could take any book in any language and take all the words out of that book, throw them in, and then they start counting how many ands, buts, or this is that. Yes. Oh, yes. And then the least frequent word would make an arc. Okay, gentlemen, we've got to hold it there. Yeah. Word break. Sorry about that. Uh, we don't have many breaks on this program. It's mostly content, but we do have one for everybody to relax every hour. This is Midnight in the Desert. I'm Art Bell. Dark Matter Network News. I'm Amy Martin. X-Files creator Chris Carter says he will be basing the new series, due in January, on NSA links provided by Edward Snowden. Carter states, Every day I look at the newspaper and I see a possible X-Files episode. Though he admitted to The Guardian that he still considers himself to be a skeptic, it's clear to see that Carter still wants to believe. The six-part series airing on January 24th could be merely the beginning as Carter seems to be planning for future episodes. A video emerged a while back on YouTube depicting a long procession of white trucks with blue and red strobe lights escorting what appears to be a large disc-shaped object being hauled on the back of a 16-wheeler. Like something straight out of science fiction, the object, which appears to be supported by at least three massive legs and wrapped in white plastic, initially raised numerous questions to viewers. What was this object and why was it being escorted seemingly by law enforcement? Users have reported that this object has been identified as the $813 million X-47B project, an unmanned aerial combat vehicle engineered by aerospace company Northrop Grumman. Originally intended just for demonstration, the Navy has decided to keep the vehicle in flying condition, pending further development. What's Florida Man up to this week? Apparently, a Libertarian Senate candidate from Florida, who goes by the name Augustus Saul Invictus, 
claims to have spent a week in the Mojave Desert, where he fasted and allegedly drank the blood of a goat in a ritual sacrifice. The 32-year-old attorney, who changed his name to the Latin phrase meaning majestic unconquered son, admits, I did sacrifice a goat. I know that's probably a quibble in the minds of most Americans. I sacrificed an animal to the god of the wilderness. Yes, I drank the goat's blood. Wildlife may have made a big comeback at the Chernobyl exclusion site in the Ukraine. Elk, deer, and wild boar within the Belarusian part of the exclusion zone have been found to be biologically similar to wildlife in four other uncontaminated nature reserves in nearby regions. Wolf numbers are now seven times higher in the zone than in other comparable areas. The wildlife are thought to be thriving from the absence of agriculture, forestry, and hunting. The area is still deemed unsafe for human habitation. The vaguely blue-black Halloween Whopper by Burger King is reportedly turning excrement green. While the fast food chain won't reveal potential ingredient culprits, the Washington Post speculates that it is most likely caused by a combination of dyes in the bun. Have a strange story or a news tip? Email amy at artbell.com. This has been Amy Martin with Dark Matter Network News. Gentlemen, uh, welcome back. You're back on the air, both of you. And uh, uh, this is good stuff. I mean, in terms of the Bigfoot world, it's great stuff. Here's something I want to ask about. It's rights. Uh, As American citizens, uh, we have lots of rights um, under the Constitution. As it sits right now, Bigfoot has no rights. Um, and I, I wonder if that's something that you've given much thought to, whether there has to be some sort of legislative um, or constitutional change or something that protects these creatures, because otherwise, if they can be shot, they will be eventually shot. Everything else has been. Well, supposedly they've yeah. been shot. Uh, I've heard a lot of accounts that people shoot them. Uh, um, heard that, and, but they never find the body for some reason. I think I, <laughs> I think I know why. But uh, I don't think they need our protection, uh, really. I think they're. I mentioned the last session. I think they're here for a purpose. And basically, uh, if if I'm wrong, and I, I could be wrong, I, I'll say that I'm still learning. But uh, they're they're. No, I'm getting sleepy, Art. It's all right. No problem. Uh, I've got lots and lots of people to talk to you. Uh, for example, uh, hello there. You're on the air, on the phone. Yeah, hello, Art. Hi. Hi. I have some questions for your guest. Uh, Ron has made several mentions of Bigfoot supposedly having an agenda or he knows why they're here. I would like to know why he thinks they're here and also where he thinks they came from, and if there are any different species among the Bigfoot. All right, that's a lot of questions. Uh, well, why are they here? I guess I, I mentioned last, I, I'm a Christian, I believe, in, and there is end times coming for us. If you want to believe the Bible and believe some of the things it says, uh, there's going to be uh, alien intervention into our humanity, uh, stronger than it was uh, before in the days of Noah. Uh, that was the reason for the flood. I uh, get into the spirituality of, of what these things could be, mm-hmm. uh, what we are as spiritual beings, or what we are as human beings, 
And basically, I think they could be entangled quantumly by their creator, whoever it is, and I think it could be aliens. And that sounds a little out there, but I said that 10 years ago. I'd been probably locked in Looney Tunes, but uh, I... I know aliens have been here. I've seen evidence of it. Um, they could be here now. I think we need to watch for inundation of it because they are going to offer humanity advanced technology. And uh, that's what you got to watch for because that's you, what they gave us in the days of Noah. Right. Do you believe there are different species? I believe there could be different ones. And there's many different aliens that are. There could be different Bigfoots. I know Scott mentioned that uh, language is species uh, uh, wide. Well, if that's if they're of the same species. They, they're, they got different type foot. They, they, they're in Nepal. They're different. Um, they're, they're different. And I think they could be from different uh, alien intervention uh, into changing DNA, altering, manipulating DNA of, of some type of animal. Could have been a bear. Could have been a. Could have been human. Do you make the same kind of jumps, uh, Scott, that Ron does? Uh, do you think they? Uh, no, I don't go there. I, I keep my my speculation to to what I'm an expert in. Right. So I, uh, I you know, of course I have, uh, of course I have private speculation, but it, um, you know, I don't I don't take that step. I try to stick with the language stuff. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Kurt, hello on Skype. Hey, Art Bell. Hi. Hi, I'm Kurt from Tolleston, Arizona. I wanted to ask them, uh, have they ever taken any pictures of them? Yes, no. a very, very, no. very good question. And the answer is no? No, we tried me. and tried. Uh, never could get a picture. The only thing we could capture was their sounds, the vocalizations. Uh, they, they were, Again, as I mentioned your first hour, we underestimated what we're dealing with, their intelligence level, their awareness, their intuitiveness. I underestimated it totally, and um, we never could snap a picture. We had three cameras thrown off a tree, broken open, oh. uh, with a thread, you know, to trigger them a six foot high, and right where they've been coming in after the food, and we couldn't capture it. Yep, that Our was very, back. Uh, that was back uh, in film days, right? Pardon me. That was back in film days, right? Yeah, when you had film. <laughs> yeah, thirty-five millimeters. So. I just don't uh, believe this. I just don't believe that my Lord would allow these beans to be out there making that kind of noise. I think it's all fake, and I think that you all lying, and that's all I have to say. And have a nice you're night. You're going to hang up. What a chicken! <laughs> oh no, I won't. I won't hang up. Have you want me to stay on? I'll, I do. I'll, I want you to stay on. Don't don't sure. say something like that and then just hang up. That's rude. Okay. Anyway, I know. I'll, I'll, I just don't believe them. I think they're lying. I think they're full of crap. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let them respond. Reason for spending a. Uh, Four years of my life chasing this stuff. Yeah. How about uh, that? I just think that 1972 from these recordings, Tricky Dick was in office. He was a big liar, and I think you all are, too. Well, okay. good for you. Well, uh, you're sure. judging you're people, and, uh, you know, I don't judge you, so you can judge me. I'm just saying like I know. My Lord would not allow these hairy beings out there making all those crazy noises. I think it's just a big made-up mess. The man that first came up with Bigfoot, admitted before he died that it was a big joke he made big old uh, footprints out of wood and did it and then after he did that my goodness the bionic woman six million dollar man came out with bigfoot things they're all kind of bigfoot things all over the tv and now you all doing this actually the bionic woman and big and six million dollar man came 
came out with that Sasquatch episode right about 1974 when you all say you saw him. I just think it's a big bunch of malarkey, period. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for the call. And uh, I don't appreciate the, uh, you know, the analogy to Tricky Dick. I mean, that you pulled that one out of somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody can think what they want to think. I really don't care sure. that much if you don't want to believe in it. But, but uh, you know, uh, he says, he, you know, he says the Lord, the Lord wouldn't let it happen. Not, not something... Like that, non-human. The Lord wouldn't let it happen. Well, where's the Lord? Where is He? You know, what is He? It's energy forces within all of us. I think we all have a connection to God. He's looking at God like a separate entity someplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, I don't believe that at all. Even Jesus said, "The kingdom of God is within you." And uh, basically, I wish that all could be one with the Father, as I am one with the Father. Well, we got to become one with the Father, not look at Him as a separate entity. Somebody going to talk to a plate about or something but uh he he's he's got the concept of, of god somewhere else and uh, even the lord didn't that, strike down dick that. nixon it, it took the supreme court i believe uh congress uh all right anyway to the phones uh hello you're on the air oh hi art it's rob from ottawa yes sir um interesting show art oh yes thank thanks for coming on ron and scott you're right art this is uh this is a special show because we've we put in the words hybrid into this equation and the yeah. word paranormal. And frankly, I'm embarrassed for, for Art's audience with that last guy because right. I, I look at him as a troll. That's all he was. He, well, okay. he doesn't even believe in Jesus. He just called to troll. Yeah, well, and, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So um, I you know, Ron was Ron. Ron was getting a little sleepy. He oh. needed that. He was. Well, he was. Yeah, I woke me up. You'll find Ron Scott. You'll find our audience a very receptive audience. Like we're open to to thoughts, and 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 everybody has a right to you know to voice their opinions. But we are generally a very very receptive audience. Now you know you've answered all the questions that. I had when I was whole, you know, putting on hold. So oh. I guess I just want to thank you then Sad. for coming on to the show. And you have hey, to come back welcome. with uh, more recordings and, and explore this hybrid and paranormal. Because I think they are popping in and out of our dimension. And that's why you don't see bodies. Okay. Yeah, I thank believe you. that too. A lot of portal people reporting portals, disappearances. and Portals. And there's a lot going on that we don't see. I like the word portal, but it's been ruined. All right. Um, next caller on the, lo- on the phone, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, Hello. Well, that was a good clearing of the throat. I'm sorry. That was me. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> caller. Go ahead. Butte, Montana. Hello. Oh, hello. There you are. Hi. Sorry. Uh, you took my... Good question that I thought I had about the paranormal stuff in Bigfoot, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I was wondering if any of you have heard of John Keel. He writes a lot about cryptozoology, and he kind of goes into the paranormal thing with Bigfoot a little bit, and relates it to things like the Mothman and okay. uh, I don't know, kind of similar things. But he. Uh, he talks a lot about them kind of maybe they can go onto a different frequency that shares the same space as us, but it's on a, just a different frequency like radio waves. Yeah, okay. And his name again, please? John Keel. Uh, how about it, anybody? 
I haven't heard I've that name, heard. but I've heard that theory. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in fact, I subscribe to that somewhat. You know, they do, I think, uh, are able to get on different frequencies. And if they're interdimensional, like I think they could be, um, they definitely are, have those attributes. Okay, there you go. Let's bring Roxanne uh, on on Skype. Hi, hi Roxanne. Extinguish hi. your device, please. Can you hear me okay? I hear you. Good. I uh, called oh, about a week ago about my experience with Bigfoot, and it was a very interesting one. Uh, it was in the middle of the night. It was in Arkansas, and we were driving, and we almost ran it over. Oh, that's right. That's right. Actually, you're the lady who had Bigfoot hit the side of your car, right? It hit the trunk of the car and left dents uh, of the palm of both hands. Hmm. Yeah. Because the next morning we went and checked it. But I saw his face, okay? Yep. And one question I have tonight is, yes, it does look human. And it had hair, but it also had like a rough uh, or a, like a, an ape type of thick skin. But right. it had red, orange, glowing eyes. Yeah. And I don't think it was from the taillights, the eyes. And that gave me the creeps. That gives me the I creeps, too. I don't remember too. hearing any sounds, so... All right, Roxanne, thank you. That was a very interesting call. Actually, she said that she didn't hit Bigfoot. Bigfoot hit her car and left marks, you know, dents in the car. Uh-huh. Quite a story. They will hit your house, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, know, you hear a big beat on your house or something? Like there you go. Uh, they, toy with, they toy with you. I like to say that. They, they'll play games with humans because, again, they think that we think we're smarter than them. All right, and, down and they have the edge over us because they can do that stuff. They can jump so fast, move so fast. And yes, sir. Down in Texas, you're on the air. Yes, sir. How you doing, Art? Doing okay. I um, appreciate you getting back on the radio. I was toiling on the radio today, and I, I was on 1070, and they said Art Bell's back on the radio. Me and my wife were uh, just extremely happy because we were just listening to Somewhere in Time every Saturday. We lived for it. Well, I'm happy to be back, sir. Well, it made me feel great. I called all the way to iHeart, San Antonio, the corporate office. Where are you? Where are you hearing us now? Where are you hearing us now? I'm calling you from Galveston, Texas, but I'm catching you on 10:30 in Houston. In Houston. All right. Well, welcome to the program. Do you have but, a question? But, but I did do that. I just want to let you know. I called every major radio station today in this area all the way to San Antonio. telling Mark Bell's back on the air. You better get that boy back on the air. I'm <laughs> all right, sir. Thank I'm you. Do, 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 yes. Do you have a question for my guest? Yes, sir. One thing. Tell that guy he don't believe that the Lord will make any weird noises. Tell him to go down to the Houston Zoo and look, look at the gorillas. <laughs> you know, also, tell him to... To go and look at Our Lady of Fatima when that saucer-shaped sun came down to the earth and went back to 70,000 people. Well, tell the Lord wouldn't ever do anything like that. Yeah, tell him to open up his eyes and he can see a lot of things around. You know? Well, the Lord does many things, uh, more than even he knows. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, I'll slip into that character. Uh, Tom <laughs> calling on Skype. Hello. No, I guess not. Um, let's give uh, Skinny Bob. We're going to give Skinny Bob one chance here. Hello. Going once, going twice, gone. And to the phones we go to, well, I'm not sure where, but on the phone, you're on the air. Hi, I'm Millie in Arkansas. Well, okay. And I want to give a shout-out to Art Bell Time Travelers. 
first of all. And um, they took my question. So I've, I've been trying to think of something to ask. And I yes. guess a good question would be, does, he, does your guest go to the same place all the time? Or does he have different places that he goes to to find these? Is he is he just like tracking one specific family, or is does he just you know where does he go? <laughs> I uh, I mainly go to the Sierra camp. Uh, that's where I like to go because I know I think they know me up there. I have been all over though. I've explored and been invited to all kinds of places, and uh, here in the Olympics where I am now. Uh, it seems like a real hot spot. There's a lot going on here, and uh, can't wait. I haven't been here that long since just since last February. But no, I go. I've been to Peru. I've been to Russia. I've been in Siberia. I've been into Nepal, uh, wow. researching the enigmas. And uh, basically, they weren't so much enigmas over there, just uh, sightings and trying to find out more about them, how it might relate to Bigfoot over here. If there's a commonality in the species. Right, right. Do, do you spend the night there? Do you, like, camp out, have tents? Or yeah. do you stay in the trees? <laughs> no, I, I don't I go in the trees. I don't think I can um, stay on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah, sometimes we'll pack in with horses. It depends on where, where I'm at, where I'm going. I have two horses now, and uh, I haven't got to use them yet. It's just been so busy for me doing uh, doing different things. But, but yeah. all I do now, I uh, sold my businesses out, and I'm just a researcher. And, okay, uh, ma'am, I'm sorry. We've got to leave because the show is getting ready to end on us. Not a thing I can do about that. So I'm going to start by saying, Ron, Scott, thank you so much for being here. And anybody want to plug anything, do it now. Well, thank you for uh, having us. Give a shout-out to Daniel in Dublin. That's in California. Okay. Uh, how about books? Um, books, I, I have a book, Voices in the Wilderness, on my website, ronmoorhead.com or bigfootsounds.com. I have two CDs I've produced with sounds. Some of them you've heard here right. tonight, but uh, basically they're each 40 minutes long. And uh, the first one is uh, Alberry's story. He's an investigative reporter. The second one is uh, my story. Uh, and the book is my 40-year chronicle of okay. what I've been doing all this time. Excellent. Scott, anything you've, uh, you want to mention? Nope. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> That's just a perfect line for this show. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you both. Thank you, Art. It's our honor. Thank you, Art. Have a good night. All right. Well, that's it, folks. We're out of time. Out of time. So we'll do it again tomorrow. And by the way, there'll be an open line show on Friday, which is just when I do fun stuff. So if you have a suggestion for, I don't know, a good special line, email it to me, artbell at uh, artbell.com. Seems pretty easy, right? Artbell at artbell.com. And by the way, I think uh, Amy is just fantastic. Fantastic. Good night, all time zones.